Welcome to the Modern Ministry Podcast, where key issues in contemporary ministry are discussed. The Modern Ministry Podcast is a weekly podcast put on by the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity at Liberty University. I'm your host, Jack Carson, and in today's episode, we have Dr. Adam McClendon, the director of our Doctorate of Ministry program here at Liberty University, joining Dr. Troy Temple to discuss the disorienting loss of biblical friendship within Western culture. Well, we're here for the School of Divinity podcast uh, in our episode today. We're going to focus in on a topic that is uh, one that is so prevalent in our culture, uh, but it's also something that is very important as we discuss this in the church, but also just in the way people are interacting with this topic. So we're talking today with uh, Dr. Adam McClendon, and Dr. McClendon is our program director here in the School of Divinity, and he oh, he leads our Doctor of Ministry degree program, and uh, which has hundreds and hundreds of students in that thing now. And um, we, we see so much benefit of uh, just the time and the effort that he spends with our students. But we asked him just to take some time away and uh, talk a little bit about the disorienting loss of biblical friendship. And there's some subcategories that, that flow out of that. And so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, we're, we're grateful for the time. Uh, and could you just give us kind of a, a framework of this, this topic and the discussion that we we're gonna have here for a few minutes. Yeah, so let's talk about this just a minute. In, in a culture where there aren't clear boundaries on what is friendship, in other words, nothing meaningful, just this vague term, combined with an over-sexualized culture, what do we do with the intimate experiences we have with other people? Yeah, I mean, if you and I go riding four-wheelers together and we have a great time, right. you get me in a way my wife doesn't. Okay. Right? We're both dudes, all that stuff connects, and all of a sudden, now we're left with a place, if we don't have friendship as a placeholder to naturally answer that question, why these intimate feelings, right. if every intimate feeling is sexualized, mm -hmm. then I'm forced to ask the question, am I gay? That doesn't mean that I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gay, but it creates a disorientation right. in our understanding of gender identity and sexuality. Okay, that, that's a very, very provocative thought in the sense that there is so much wrapped up in that. I, I think as, as we experience friendship and relationships, uh, what has been probably the most critical element of those relationships that has contributed to this disorientation? Well, I mean, the, the biggest issue is, I think, the sexualization of our culture. And when, when the terms are vague, right, friendship doesn't have clear boundaries. Right. I mean, we have friends with benefits now. I mean, that's a big term in our culture. You go to school and these are my friends, mm -hmm. and it's pretty much everyone. Friendship has become a button click on Facebook. Mm -hmm. When you combine all of those things together, it, it really confuses. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time, when two guys hug, oh, well, they must be gay. R really, why can't they just be friends? Right. Girls here, they have guy friends. They talk about the sexual tension that's always there because there's always the pursuit of romance and never the pursuit of friendship. Yeah. So all of those things, I think, collectively in our culture are creating problems. I think one of the statements that I've heard you mention before is that one of the, one of the, the misnomers is that feelings always equals romance. And it seems to be something that is, has, in, in, in many ways, the way you just said that, where we felt like we had to persist past the feelings, being able to be um, part of the friendship relationship, where it has to push back and push further into something else. And I, I, I don't think, you know, this is something that is um, uh, just among same-sex friendships, same-gender no, friendships. Uh, and, and as you just mentioned there, the, the sexual tension that exists between you know, even heterosexual friendships or relationships or acquaintances uh, to where there's always, if it's not going towards something that's romantic, then it probably just needs to stay as far away from anything intimate as possible. Right. 
And so how, how does someone, um, how do we then embrace, and not just embrace, but how do we really reflect the kind of, the way that we're, we've been created? I mean, all the way from Genesis chapter, chapter one and two, that we were made for relationships. Um, and obviously, in a biblical sense, we, we read through scripture and it said this man knew his wife and they had kids. Right. And so how, how can those of the same gender know each other in a, in a level of intimacy that doesn't have to be romantic? Well, you know, I think we see a ton of biblical evidence for this. Yeah. Of course, everyone wants to sexualize the relationship between David and Jonathan. That's the most popular. But we even go into Proverbs about friends. Right. It doesn't ascribe any kind of gender to it, mm-hmm. but the rebuke of a friend Right, yeah. profuse are the kisses of the of an enemy, but, but faithful is a rebuke of a friend. And yeah. you get these ideas throughout Proverbs and other areas. We see in the New Testament even different spheres of relationship Jesus had with his disciples. We call it the inner circle. Yeah. There's just a group that he connected with. It right. seems on a more intimate level. We see Mark, who was probably very close to Peter from the same area, which is why Mark yeah. includes in his gospel some of the stories other people don't. So we see this idea, and in a culture. I think we, we need to understand some of those boundaries of what friendship is. And I love the article I referenced previously is you and I have talked of the three kind of overlapping circles that create genuine friendship is right. when we have mutual attitudes, mm-hmm. a mutual history, and a mutual intimacy. Mm-hmm. In other words, friendship is something that develops. It's not something I just discover all of a sudden. Sure. It develops over time when you and I have something in common, we spend yeah. enough time together, yeah. and we connect. Yeah. Then friendship comes about. That is good. So people struggle with this, and, 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 and in the end, I know that there are uh, lots of contributing factors to the, to the tension or the struggle, uh, especially in the same-sex attractive or attraction di- syndrome or dynamic that we see expressed in many people's lives, and even in their own words about what they struggle with. What do you think are some of the contributing factors towards that struggle? Uh, what are some of the foundational components? I know there are statistics out there that, that want to you know, perpetrate certain... Uh, guilty parties in that equation that lead to some of those things, but, but what have been some of the, the, the factors you, do you think have contributed to um, those embracing the idea of intimacy equaling romance, especially uh, in a same gender relationship? Well, in our culture, it's been pushed down our throats, right? Every sitcom, I mean, everything we look at, plus yeah. embedded within our culture is this idea that the pursuit of pleasure is the chief end of man. Right. What brings pleasure, which is why I think years ago there was the famous Christian hedonism that really picked up oh, yeah. some capital. Why? Because people understand the pursuit of pleasure. And that argument is, well, the, the chief pursuit of pleasure ends with God. Well, we, we get that, but experientially we don't always get that. Right? We live in a world of pain, and people do not like that, and so they want, they want an escape. Yeah. Movies, it's all about pleasure. Right. Sex has become about pleasure. Eating has become about pleasure. Everything is about satisfying mm-hmm. those self-indulgent tendencies. So when it comes to sexual experience, well, there's a, a lot of things I think that contribute to the confusion in our culture of our identity. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising in a culture that removes any restraints off a of sexual pursuit, says, what sounds like it's the most fun today? Right. And then we pursue that. Right. You know, let's, let's say that uh, uh, you, you have a friend who... Uh, who over time has recognized some feelings for someone of the same gender, and, and they, they trust you enough, they're, they're, they have enough courage to come and to have a conversation and sit down and say, I, I feel like I need to share this with you because we're both friends with this individual, but h- how do we, uh, number one, as the church, and when I say as a church, I put it in two different contexts. Uh, the first context is as the church, meaning I'm a follower of Christ and I have a friend who's sitting with me. 
And so I think it's important for us to not always divorce when we give advice or responses that it should be the corporate church versus me as a part of the body of Christ. I represent that. Uh, so how, how do we as, as the church uh, hold to that reality that, that their, their inclination or their desire or their actual behavior to act upon some of those, some of those feelings and translate those into some type of something, some type of sexual connection uh, that is still a sin, but also help them uh, in, the, in, their, in their, what they perceive as their orientation towards a, a, a friend with the same sex uh, and thinking that it's more than friendship. Well, that's a tough question, right? I mean, there's a lot to that. So when, when I'm in that conversation, which recently just happened, I was sitting in my office and had a student that came to me and began to have a detailed conversation about these types of things. And the first basis I have is trying to find out where that person is spiritually. Are they a believer in Jesus? Right. Because we have the commonality as a believer in Jesus of saying, okay, yeah. our objective authority is not our feelings. Right. It is what God has already revealed to us in his word. Mm -hmm. If we can base, get that going, and this person says, I want to pursue my own sexual satisfaction as if God hasn't called us to submit that to him, then we have a question. Either A, you're ignorant about what the Bible says about that sexual experience, or right. B, you don't care. If you don't care, we have another, another conversation. Now, if that person is not a believer, we, we can begin a dialogue and talk about that. But I think ultimately with that person, trying to understand that, yes, we have these intimate feelings when we connect with other people. God designed it that way, that we love one another in a very real way. When that becomes sexualized in that relationship, then I have to decide, am I going to submit my sexuality to God? Galatians 5.16, one of my favorite verses, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The presence of those desires is not necessarily sin. Right. It's what we do with those desires that determine whether we sin. So a godly person is not exempt from ungodly desires, right. but a godly person chooses to submit my ungodly desires to the will of the Spirit. Right. So in that relationship, I would challenge them, hey, are, are you willing to submit this to the will of the Spirit? Now, as a practical step as well, if somebody is a stumbling block in my mental purity, then I need to remove myself from that relationship okay. as a believer. And there's just, I think, wisdom there. Yeah. So there are certain people in my life that for some reason I've had an unusual attraction towards mm -hmm. that I've had to limit my interaction with them so that I could better obey and follow Jesus. And that, that applies whether it's someone of the same gender or someone Absolutely. of the opposite gender. Uh, it, would, it would follow in either case. Uh, I think it's important for us to understand too that that, and I appreciate how you differentiated the two and, and help us to, to look at, every, at the two sides of this coin. There, there is a, an intention and an attraction, uh, attractional component there, I think, in a lot of these relationships. Uh, but how much of that is us not, not subduing you know, those urges and desires? And I think we definitely, I, I don't know if you've seen this, we live in a culture that, that does give a rite of passage and also a rite of expression to, to whatever helps you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know for the longest time, you know, our culture has, has vibed to a, a whatever feels good, do it, but whatever pleases you, you know, it's, it's, it's condoned and it's okay. I can't contest what you've determined gives you pleasure and fulfillment. Um, but scripture does give us some parameters. And can you talk about how those things feed the life that he's given us and how they help us structure the responses we have to others? Yeah. So first when we talk about culture, let's talk about that for just a second take obesity, mm. take alcohol, any of those issues, when we overindulge, if it's something that, that hurts culture, we call it a disease. Right. If it's something that culture affirms, we say it's to be celebrated. Mm. 
But in both cases, we, call, we say, well, that's just who they are, as if our identity is found in what we do versus right. who we are. Right. So then when we look at scriptures, though, scripture gives us a different understanding of the fact that when we come to Christ, we do bow our desires to the Father, mm-hmm. that we choose to submit them to Him, and that we, we don't live however we want to. That despite the desires that we have, we choose to bring them into submission to Jesus as followers of Christ. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I appreciate your time here today for this segment. We're going to uh, hopefully be able to continue this conversation and uh, provide some, some helps and some handles for those that are struggling as well as those that want to help those who struggle. So thanks for being with us today on the School of Divinity podcast. My pleasure. You just listened to the Modern Ministry podcast put on by the John W. Rawlings School of Divinity at Liberty University. Please reach out to us at www.liberty.edu forward slash divinity if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and let us know if there's a pressing issue in your ministry that we should address in this podcast.